Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, May the 13th, 2020, and we are reading from the Big Book on page 156, the fourth paragraph. She replied, yes, we've got a corker. Today's readers are the 12 sets, Javi K., The Twelve Traditions, Esther F., and readers of the text, Janice P.M., Larry K., and Lynn F. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, May the 12th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 14605, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 14606. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions. I will now ask Javi K to read the 12 steps, please. Please go ahead, Javi. <clears throat> Thank you. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. My name is Javi K. I am a compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our lives. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our fears. Have a good day, everyone. 
Thank you, Javi K. And the 12 traditions, Esther F. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's Esther F., a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book we are on page 156, the fourth paragraph. She replied, yes, we've got a corker. And Janice PM, could you read for us, please? My pleasure, Lynn S. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, she replied, yes, we've got a corker. He's just beaten up a couple of nurses, goes off his head completely when he's drinking, but he's a grand chap when he's sober. Though he's been in here eight times in the last six months, understand he was once a well-known lawyer in town, but just now we've got him strapped down tight. Okay, just a little going back, um, Bill and Bob, 
uh, Bill W. and Dr. Bob. They're now on a 12-step call. And they called the hospital to get a prospect. And uh, we're so lucky today, we really don't have to do that because there was no uh, AA in those days in 1935. So they called the hospital. Uh, there was no meetings like we have, our great meeting, healthy meeting of the Vision for You, where we can get a prospect um, to find a sponsor, etc. cetera. Uh, so they call this hospital. And this is where, you know, they would drive them out of this hospital. And uh, they asked this nurse, do you have a, night, a first-class alcoholic prospect? And uh, what's a first-class alcoholic, a compulsive, compulsive overeater, is one that has no control. And if you look at uh, on page 20, 21, this is the fellow that starts to drink and has no more control, or a person like me who starts to eat a certain trigger food and cannot stop. I cannot control it. So that's what they were looking for, a first-class alcoholic uh, prospect. So she said, oh, yeah, we, we have a corker, a corker. Well, I, even, I mean, I used to know the, you know, the, the expression, oh, he's a corker. But I really didn't know in relation to alcohol. But, you know, they used to drink, they used to have the corks in the bottle. So now the cork is out. So he's a corker. You know, he's been drinking. And I think that's what, what they meant here. And, and when he's drinking, you know, when I'm eating, doing the same thing, we're trying to identify. When, when he's drinking, he is absurd. He's an absurd, incredible, and he does tragic things like I did uh, when, when, uh, when he was drinking. Though, and, but he's a grand chap, they say, when he's sober. Yeah, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Boy, can I identify with that. Some days my husband wouldn't know what I would be. I haven't timed myself, so please do if you can, Lynn. Um, uh, He wouldn't know if I would come in nice and nice or if I would come in like, oh, she she is, she's angry. I don't know why she's angry. I probably was eating before I got in the house. And though he's been in here eight times in the last six months, again, he's in and out, in and out. That would be me. This diet, that diet, many times in, in in six months, I would be trying to go on this, trying to control my eating. But remember, he was once a, a great person, a lawyer. He was a lawyer. But now, because he came in here drunk, we're trying to sober him up. He's strapped down. He's strapped down. So, you see, um, they're trying to still Bill and Bob trying to carry a message so he's got this uh this potential name thank you number three and we'll read about bob tomorrow with that i pass thanks thank you janice pm for getting us started the line is now open for sharing on what we just read although we value your experience we ask that you limit your share to every three days in order that others might share their experience too. So for us, that means if you shared on Monday or Tuesday of this week, please step back and let others have a turn. 
And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Courtney M. Vicki V. Julie E. B. Okay, so far I've heard Courtney M. Vicki V. Julie E. B. Is there anybody else? This is Lynn F. I'd like to share. Okay. All right. Well, if there's nobody else, let's go with this line. Jennifer M. Thank you. Okay. So we have Courtney M., Vicki V., Julie E.D., Lynn F., and Jennifer M., Courtney M., please go ahead. Thank you. Um, This is Courtney M., recovering compulsive overeater in Southwest Florida. Um, Yeah, I totally identify with that. That line jumped out at me this morning about being, um, you know, completely out of control when when he was in his drink and, and a nice person when he wasn't. Um, one of the reasons why I came into this program was because of how I was feeling so ridiculously out of control when I was eating. Um, just this last year in September, I had an incident where I had been eating, um, all day long. I'd been eating M&M's, peanut M&M's. And um, it wasn't like a giant family-sized bag, but it was enough. It was enough to trigger the the response in my brain and my body. And I went on an emotional roller coaster, and I went on what can only be described as an alcoholic rage. And I have – sorry, I'm getting emotional. I have a four-year-old son who I terrified that day. Because he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And I threw a temper tantrum and I kicked a hole in his bedroom door. He was three when I did this. That's what happens to me. When I get into the sugar for me, that's what does it. I go off on alcoholic raging or depression. And... In this program, I have a solution to pick up my guidance from my higher power, to pick up the support of my fellows, to slow down and pause and wait for direction instead of constantly doing things on impulse. These are the things that are given to me in recovery. And for that, I am so grateful. And I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you for your service today. And I pass. Thank you, Courtney M. And Vicki V., it's your turn, followed by Julie E.B. Please go ahead, Vicki. Good morning. This is Vicki from Long Island, New York. Oh, recovered compulsive overeater today, contingent on my spiritual condition today. Um, what I related to here um, was that I was never a grand chap. Uh, I... 
I used my addiction, my sugar addiction and my food addiction, my emotional responses to food as an excuse for my unacceptable behavior within my, my family. They knew me. They knew, well, this is just Vicky. Okay, let's stay away from her today because, oh, you had cake? Oh, okay. So they would stay away from me, and I used that. So the untreated alcoholic in my life uh, in, I guess, around 2008 or nine. You know, he told me, you only feel as good as what you've been eating lately. And I thought, how dare you? Look at the way you act every day. And you're going to give me crap for, for acting this way, you know. Uh, but over time, I saw, I saw that that was true. I didn't understand why, but I, I understood that it was true. And, and then uh, around 2010, I started to see uh, because of the yo-yo dieting, because of the restriction and overeating, um, during one of my restrictive times when I finally allowed myself to eat whatever I wanted again, the emotional anger came immediately. And I remember being so aware of it uh, because at that time I was working another program. So I was aware of uh, the, the steps and, and being aware of our, our, our character defects and, and how they might present themselves in our day. So what I love about this book, this program today in our lives is that we don't have to do what Bill and Bob did. We don't have to go searching for somebody in a hospital, in a church, in our neighborhood. There are so many of us everywhere. And I find that just by living this life by attraction, um, the only thing I can do for my family, my friends, and the people I love is recover, recover, recover. And I, I often get questions about how are you doing this? You know, how... What are you doing? And again, I just, I just speak about what I've learned from all of you, from the big book, from myself. I speak from my own experience. And I'm so grateful today uh, that Vision for You is the same today as it was in January. This is the only thing in my life today that is, you know, that is the same when everything else is so chaotic. So I thank you all for being here, for allowing me to share, and have a, a blessed day. With that, I pass. Thank you, Vicki V. Julie E. B., it's your turn, followed by Lynn F. Good morning, Julie. Press star one, Julie. Hi, you. this is Julie. There you are. Hi. Hi, this is Julie E. B., gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs. What a corker. Um, I am so glad. Um, in a way, uh, to hear about the insanity again. Um, do you have someone that's desperate? Yes. And uh, for me, um, acting one way, um, when I'm trusting God, when I have a solution, acting another way, um, when I'm trying to come up with my own ideas, it's very interesting that in this particular passage it um this particular passage it has um it has what oh in a way let's see boom, boom. um in this particular passage it has a um that same dr jekyll mr hyde that the first speaker did talk about and uh i uh for one um you know, especially when I would go into periods of white knuckling it, would absolutely 
have um, these uh, fits of rage. Um, we were reading a story from the big book on a 12-step meeting last night uh, for this program, and uh, and it was the story of the Southern Gentleman, and, you know, it shared that uh, he wasn't getting what he wanted, and such a anger arose in him uh, for the first time. He had all this anger rise up um, more than he really could hold, and so... Um, this is this is uh powerful to me um and uh so yeah so um for me um i have a new situation at work a new boss and once again i don't want to i want to run the show and i don't like some of the things happening and so where is it that i go um i go into thinking as this paragraph indicates and um, so it's really a powerful thing that uh, um, that they, um, yeah. So anyway, I can't find the section I was going to talk about. But the more that I try to be um, pleasing on the outside and push my emotions down, the sicker I am. And the more there's just one Julie and she's powerless. And God can do for Julie what she cannot do for herself. My favorite prayer promise, warning um, in the big book, um, the better I am. Thanks for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Julie E.B. And Lynn F., it's your turn, followed by Jennifer M. Please go ahead, Lynn. Press star one to unmute, Lynn F. Sorry, I'm unmuted now. Uh, I apologize, I'm speaking. Um, anyway, Lynn F. recovered in Pennsylvania. Thank you um, for the opportunity for service and thank you all for being here. Um, at the, the little star at the end of the passage, um, refers, it tells us um, at the bottom of the page that this refers to Bill and Dr. Bob's first visit to AA number three. And if you Google um, AA number three, you'll get the gift of the image of the man on the bed and, and the two folks in the chairs. And it's a beautiful painting and you most likely have seen it before. Um, and I identify with each person in the picture um, I've been the corker, and I've been um, out of my mind when I eat, and nothing can keep me from eating. And I've also, thank God, um, been a recovered person holding the door open for another um, fellow to come in. And what comes to my mind today when I look at this, and I've said this before, that my 12-step work has nothing to do with your first step um, or your step zero that I'm required from my recovery to continue to continue to hold the message to continue to recover so I have a message to give you um, or to share with someone else and it just made me chuckle thinking today what um, that image may look like in the middle of a pandemic in 2002, um, 2020, excuse me, when we are all um, 
striving to connect virtually and on different platforms? And how can we hold the message? I know it's for me, it's been a scramble to just be able to um, adhere to and maintain my own um, meetings. So I, but when someone new shows up at that meeting, it's been such a gift that we are there and folks can find us. Um, if I wasn't working the program, I wouldn't have um, that ability. I wouldn't know that that's a gift today, that um, I can participate in a home group that has an um, opportunity for others to find us electronically, and that new faces can appear on the screen, and we're holding a message of hope, and we're holding a message of recovery, um, that they can see folks who are having a spiritual experience while experiencing the same twist of fate that we all are. So I'm so grateful to um, Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm really grateful to be part of this meeting today. That's all I've got. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lynn F. And Jennifer M., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Jennifer M., a compulsive overeater from Vermont. And I, I listened to the reading this morning, and uh, I thought about um, being a parent um, because I, was go, I would go around in my life and I would be a grand person and um, respected and um you know liked and um but then i would um go home at night and i would be screaming at my son because i couldn't control him i couldn't control what he did what he thought <laughs> oh my god and um so i i just um wanted to share because I I do feel such grief about that. Um and I am I've been in OA for about ten years, um and only the last uh three or four have I attended uh Vision for You on and off and um it's really only through Vision for You that I have come to realize that uh how much the program is about the spiritual and the emotional and um giving my life over to a higher power, which has made a huge difference. Um, just just recently, and, and I'm still learning about the olden days when I was just out of control, uh, when I was out of control, when I couldn't control things. Um, just recently, my wife said something to me about uh, when uh, my son was younger and about how much I screamed at him. And I said, what are you talking about? You always said that he was the one that was yelling all the time, and she looked at me like, <laughs> like, how could I not realize that if one of us was yelling, the other one was yelling too? So even now, even after I have, um, I've had spiritual experiences, I've had um, a much greater awareness of my higher power in my life, I still have these crazy blinders on and... Um, but you guys are here. The meeting is open, and um, I'm so grateful for the recovery that I do have, and um, 
and more that will come. So thank you very much. And thank you, Jennifer M. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 156 this morning. In the fourth paragraph, she replied, yes, we've got a corker. So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every three days in order that others might share their experience too. So for us, that means if you shared on Monday or Tuesday of this week, please step back and let others have a turn. And also, if you could say your name just once, it does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Larry Kay. Chris M. Sandy D. Anyone else? Rachel K. Name Rick H. Could you say the page again? I didn't hear you say which page we're on. We're on page 156, the fourth paragraph. 56. Okay, thank you. Okay, let me just say who I did here in case I missed anybody. I've got Larry K, Chris M, Sandy D. Rachel K and Miriam Rifka H. Was there anybody I missed? No? Okay. Larry K, could you start us off, please? Followed by Chris M. Thanks so much, Lynn. Uh, appreciate your service. Larry K recovered this morning. You know, I um when I'm reading this paragraph, I'm, I'm always reminded that history, um, the, the people that's, that I've observed that have uh, the best recovery are those that are, um, they're immersed in this program. And so history is very important to them. Um, and what that, what that defines for me is that they are students. They are students of this program, always students of this program. And when you're a student, you're constantly learning. And uh, so, so the history is really important um, here uh, for me. You know, it said I've heard it said that we're not makers of history so much as we are made by history, and that's that's the the identification for me. Here we're talking about Bill Dotson, right? The the man on the bed. He was uh, AA number three, and you know, I, I'm just reminded not so much of the specifics of the corker and the whole thing, but. You know, I think ahead that at his, at his death, um, he had not had a drink in more than 19 years. So <clears throat> the, the, what I've learned is his date of sobriety was the date that he entered Akron, Akron City Hospital for the, the last detox, which was June 26 of 1935. See, that's important for me to connect the dots because what we know is, is that because Bill and Bob somehow divinely inspired new <clears throat> that they needed to carry the message to another drunk. Whether or not he got the message, whether or not he accepted the message, acted upon the message, was probably really of, of, of little consequence, really, although we'd love to see that, right? They were doing it because they had to find someone. They had to find someone. Just as Bill had to find Bob, now Bill and Bob are going to find Bill Dotson. They didn't know if this guy would, uh, you know, was, was ready to do business. 
But it really didn't matter, nor does it matter when I carry the message or you carry the message to a suffering compulsive overeater. We don't, we don't, they don't change because of anything that we specifically, we don't effectuate the change. We just are the, uh, we're holding a flashlight on a spiritual process that when we trust in this process, we have found one person after another person have a complete spiritual transformation. And so too with Bill Dotson, right? Bill Dotson would eventually, we'll read on, it won't get too far ahead, but um, right now he's in bad shape and that's a good thing because you're going to see a level of desperation in which he's going to pick up the uh, toolkit that they're going to lay at his feet, right? And so I'm so grateful that someone laid the, the, the spiritual toolkit at my feet. And when the disease just beat me to, into a state of reasonableness, then, of course, just like Bill Dotson, um, perhaps I was ready through that desperation to pick up that spiritual toolkit and take action after action after action. And just like Bill Dotson, I would have also a spiritual transformation, unique to me. And uh, there's my time, so I'm very grateful for the history. With that, Lynn, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Chris M., it's your turn, followed by Sandy D. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Can you hear me well enough? Yes, thank you. Okay, good. Um, good morning. I'm Chris M. from the Hudson Valley in New York State, and i um, happy to be on the meeting this morning. I um, was religiously listening to the meetings last year for a few months, and then, um, well, back up. I've been in the program since 1986 um, with various degrees of um, success. Uh, I don't know if I would call it recovery, uh, because emotionally I was, you know, not, haven't been well, really, in all those years. Um, but was listening to the program religiously last year for a few months. I had a good food plan. Um, actually, was at you know better weight than I had been in a long time, and decided, uh, you know what? I don't really think I'm a compulsive over either. You know, I have I have problems. It's probably I have a little mental illness and anxiety, depression, and you know. Uh, I do have an eating disorder of sorts, but I don't think that I'm really um, that bad. You know, listening to um, a lot of um, my fellows talking about their experiences with food. And like, like this paragraph just brought it home to me, you know, oh, he's a real corker and he's been in here eight times in the last six months and he's, you know, really at the bottom of the barrel. And that's that kind of comparison that I made with myself and other compulsive eaters is what really has kept me from truly admitting that I am a compulsive eater. Um, and the past three years working with a nutritionist and, and going to a gym and, you know, like I said, getting myself physically to a place where I hadn't been in a very, very long time and you know, good food plan that I struggled with um, made me realize, again, it's not just about the food and the weight, you know. It is this emotional anguish, this this anxiety, this lack of spiritual connection, and all of that other stuff that really makes up the whole the whole thing of who I am and my experience on this earth and um, really does qualify me 
as a compulsive eater. Um, you know, there are times when I thought I could eat um, certain foods and not have a problem. Well, maybe for a couple of weeks, you know, but then it would just spiral me into maybe not binge eating, but just constant, like, obsessive thoughts and just fighting with myself all the time, like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Oh, it's fine. No, it's not. Oh, it's fine. No, it's not. Like, you can't live like that, you know, and the the answers really are here, and, and I'm glad to be back, and I'm looking for a sponsor, and um, just praying each day that I continue to identify myself as someone who belongs in this program, despite the fact that my experiences with the food are different than others, but Time my Thank you. My spiritual and emotional experiences are exactly the same as everyone on these lines. So um, thank you for um, everyone's input and your service today. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Chris M. Sandy D., it's your floor. Sorry, it's your turn, followed by Rachel K. Please go ahead, Sandy. Good morning. This is Sandy D. from Central Illinois, recovered by God's grace and mercy. And I just had to claim my seat today, um, that line strapped down, um, and the Jekyll and Hyde image. Uh, when I came into OA, I guess I'm maybe somewhat of an anomaly because I came in through vision. And that was nearing a thousand days ago. And I praise God, and I'm so grateful for the recovery that I found here. Uh, it has absolutely changed me. I'm no longer that Jekyll and Hyde, and it brought to mind an image of myself. I was director of a large charity before I retired, and I had a lady that worked for me that walked with a walker and could barely get up from her desk. But when I, she would see me start to go off in the morning at people and get so nasty and snippy. And she would toddle with her walker out to the Coke machine, clear across a large warehouse to get me a Coke and slam it down on my desk. Because she knew that if I drank that Coke, I might be a little nicer person that day. Maybe just a little. And that, you know, I, I wrote her an immense letter. She was already deceased by the time I did this. But I think about her, and I think about her last name, you know, was Price. And I always called her my priceless one. She prayed for me. She was the best person I knew. And yet I treated her like dirt sometimes because of my addiction to sugar. And I'm just so glad and happy to to be free today and to not treat people that way and have to learn that no change is no change. I had to change and transform and really dig into this journey. And I think some days now, even though it's been approaching three years, I work harder at it than I did before. And I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy to trudge with you all. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sandy D. Rachel K., it's your turn, followed by Miriam Riska H. 
Please go ahead, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thanks for your service. My name is Rachel Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater in San Francisco. And I was struck um, by a couple of things from different perspectives from this paragraph. First of all, um, Bill and Bob, you know, when they found AA number three, they, and I'm not knocking, you know, worksheets and workbooks and other literature besides the big book, you know, I think they have their place, but the simplicity of the message that they carried, um, you know, uh, it was, uh, there wasn't even a, a big book at this time. They just had, you know, look, this is what we did. This is what helped us. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy. This might help you. If you're like us, this might help you. Um, it didn't have to be complicated. It didn't have to be, you know, a million questions. It it was simple um, because I like to complicate things, you know, um, uh, I like to complicate things in the program and, you know, it's, it's really, it's not complicated folks. It's, it's written out in the book and, and that's a reminder to myself, uh, and not to anybody else necessarily. And the other thing, you know, by the grace of God, I've been abstinent now for almost 20 years. Um, and so the whole thing of being strapped down and being admitted eight times in six months might seem you know, distant to me. I mean, when I was at my bottom, I, you know, I was at my bottom and I was fired from jobs and, uh, you know, for calling in basically hungover from the food, et cetera, et cetera. But it can seem a little distant. But uh, first of all, I know that my next binge is as far away as my hand to my mouth if I'm not in fit spiritual condition. And secondly, um, even though the food doesn't necessarily take me to those places, if I am in my character defects, am I having a character defect slip? Or if I am not in fit spiritual condition, I can be, you know, maybe not beaten up nurses and nuns, but I can be just as insane. Things can seem just as justified. You know, of course it makes sense to send, you know, to respond to this text with a sarcastic text or, or a biting text or whatever. I can, I can react in an emotionally violent way that um, hurts others and hurts myself. So I have to remember that, that, that my not responding that way is contingent on daily, daily practice of these steps, of daily inventory. You know, what is my part? Uh, whenever I am disturbed, the problem is with me. I don't care how much of an a-hole I think this other person is, the problem is mine, because um, that's the only thing that I can change with God's help. So uh, anyway, uh, thanks to everybody doing service on this meeting, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. I'm Miriam Rifka H. It's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Miriam Rifka H. in New Jersey, recovered in New Jersey. Um, I haven't shared on here in such a long time. I'm listening to everyone, and I'm feeling so moved. Um, I'm trying not to get choked up so you can actually hear me. You know, it's who can't identify with this? We're all here. We all came in. I came in, you know, just desperate and hopeless. And even in the rooms, you know, I've been so helpless and hopeless. I haven't you know, I, for whatever the reason, I'm not one of those people who walks in and just got the recovery and danced off into the sunset. You know, I've had a lot of ups and downs. And through it all, I've just been able to hear people 
um, have people speak to me and reach out to me and remind me that there is a solution and this thing works and it's not about group support and this isn't just another diet club and that there's a higher power that I can find that can restore me to sanity. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I'm a slow learner and it's taken me a long time, but thank God today I'm at a place where I have a higher power that I can rely on no matter what's going on, no matter what kind of painful thing is happening in my life or, you know, happy thing or whatever it is just to grab onto. And I never, you know, I, I, I'm not naturally a giver. I'm extremely selfish and I've come to see that so much more in program. But at the same time, I'm learning by doing this work and worth working with others how incredibly rewarding it is to help another person see that same solution and come to that same solution. Um, You know, just really starting to see that I am in this world to be useful to other people. The more I try to just grab for myself and satisfy myself, I will never be satisfied. I just think this program is brilliant you know I hear people say that it's divinely inspired I I I can't see how it can't be um and that it has to has to be that way because it's just perfectly arranged that one hand grasps the next and then when that person is pulled out of the hole they reach down to pull out the next person I'm very grateful to you all and thank you for being there and thank you for this opportunity Thank you, Miriam Rifka H. For those of us who might have joined us a little bit later, we are on page 156 in the chapter of Vision for You, the fourth paragraph. She replied, yes, we've got a corker. And the line is now open again. If you'd like to share, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every three days in order that others might have their turn to share their experience too. So for us, that means if you did share on Monday and Tuesday of this week, please step back and let others have a turn. And please say your name just once because then I can hear you. Who would like to share? Kara M. Barbara E. Russell Anyone else? I heard Kara M, Barbara E, and Russ M. I think we can have a couple more, maybe. Julie M. Julie W. Okay. Sorry. I was it Julie M. Was that who I heard? No, Joanne W. And Joanne W. Okay, great. That's our lineup then. Thank you. I heard Kara M, Barbara E. Russ M, I think a Julie M, and Joanna W. So, Kara M, please go ahead. Can you hear me? I can, thank you. Fabulous. I am Kara, compulsive overeater, recovering bulimic, and sugar addict from the tiny state of Rhode Island. And I'm grateful to be on this call this morning. I gleaned a lot from the shares that I've already heard. The paragraph that we read um, 
struck me because here we have a man who has been admitted to the hospital numerous times. And for me, it just illustrates the unmanageability and the insanity in this man's life. And I can truly identify with that um, because I myself have been hospitalized for my eating disorder and for the unmanageability in my life based on my reaction to ingesting certain foods. I think what stood out to me the most today, however, was the fact that this man, it, we know his profession, we know he's a lawyer. And so here's an intelligent man. And yet, in every aspect of his life, we can assume that he is intelligent and reasonable. And yet, when it comes to drinking, there is some peculiar mental twist that leads him back to the bottle every time. My history is that I am a chronic dieter. At my heaviest, I weighed nearly 300 pounds. I'm only five foot one, so that's a lot of body mass on a very small frame. And I've been every weight in between. I've been a restrictor, and at my thinnest, it got me hospitalized. So I could truly relate to the hospitalization experience and being demoralized and defeated. That's the, that's what. Okay, Cara M. I'm sorry. We seem to have lost you. Okay, Barbara E. Could you go ahead, please? Can you hear me now? Oh, there's Cara back. Yep, now we can. Thank you. Okay. I'm not sure what, um, what, where I got cut off, but um, can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I'll just wrap up quickly. So that's what I was like. And by the grace of God, someone reached out to me and showed me that there is a solution. And, you know, they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's what happened to me. Someone reached out to me when I was at my lowest point and showed me that there is a solution. And one day at a time, since 2008, I have been committed to recovery and abstinent one day at a time. I'm grateful to share. I appreciate the people that have gone before me and all the service of those who make this phone call possible. Thank you. Thank you, Cara M. And Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Rush M. Please go ahead, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E., recovered since 1996 and grateful to this program. As an adult, I, like Bill D., had led a comfortable life. Now married, two kids, and a respected member of my profession, but like Bill D, I was hopeless and helpless to conquer my compulsion to eat things that were bad for me in quantities to the point of making me sick, waiting for the nausea to pass so I could continue eating. Doctors warned me I was in dangerous territory, but I still went from one program to another, always gaining back the 100 plus pounds or more within a year. 
I felt hopeless, helplessly wandering around in the desert of compulsive overeating for years, looking for the magic diet that could save my life. When I finally got to OA in 1996, still feeling hopeless and alone, I heard a message of hope. I found my tribe, people who ate like I ate, ate out of the garbage, hid food in the dirty laundry basket, and ate in the middle of the night, ate beyond being feeling full. These people claimed to have found a solution and that I too could recover and it only involved 12 simple steps and the directions for this miraculous recovery were contained within the pages of this blue book. They said I'd need a sponsor to guide me on my journey. They told me to keep coming back and never give up. My sponsor supported me and pushed me to work ever harder and told me I'd never graduate from OA University and that by passing the message forward to others and by continuing to work the steps even harder and not letting up on my spiritual life, would I be able to be neutral around the foods that once lured me back to the cycle of addiction and, and never ever to rest on my laurels, thinking I now knew enough to do it on my own. I did what I was told and I began to feel the promises coming true. So I'll keep on doing it one day at a time because these last two decades have been better than anything I could have ever imagined. It's been a wild ride, but I wouldn't change a thing. Thank you. Have a blessed day. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Russ M., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. Man, I, I, I love the history also. Um, these guys are like my spiritual family. You know, they didn't know what the hell they were doing, but they were doing it. And they changed so many lives. So many people have been transformed. Families, you know, I, I don't want to be redundant here. You all, you all know what I'm saying. But I look at that last thing, that strapped down tight. You know, I was mentally that way. I wasn't, you know, physically strapped up. But I, I, I was so shot, so incapable of doing anything. You know, I have buddies that just had kids. And it's like, oh, man, this is a life-changing thing. It's so great. You know what? I feel like dog do. I had five kids. I didn't feel that not once that my life was changed by my children because of the d disease. It robbed me of that beauty. It robbed me of that. But now I could step back after working the steps, after like Dr. Bob and Bill did with Bill Dotson here. Someone took me under their wing. Somebody smacked me in the head and said, yo, you got to get your stuff straight. Had, had the courage to love me in that way and guide me. And yes, you know, leave me with a flashlight through these steps. Now everything matters, right? Everything matters. And I'm a free man. And yeah, okay, we worked the steps. We did all the dirty work and the action steps. And, you know, 10, 10 is my, my safety net. 11 or my building blocks to my relationship with Jesus. Like, a, I'm with God, I'm sorry. Like, all the way up the steps, all the way up the ladder. You know, each one is, a, is another rung when you work your spiritual life. But 12 is the cement that binds all of this. 
And I'll never, ever stay free if I'm not working with someone else. If I'm not working with someone else. And this history, this is what these guys did. We don't have to change it. Just roll with what they did. That's all we need to do. Y'all have a good day. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Russ M. And Julie M. and Joanna W., I'm sorry. I misjudged the time, so we won't have time for you to share at this meeting, but hopefully you can stick around for the second hour. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to our wonderful Wednesday workforce. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, 7 a.m. meeting, 14616. We will now close the meeting with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Larry K. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Thanks, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.